0: happening this week on your favorite soap opera? It's time to talk about all the daytime drama on Soap Central Live with Dan J. Kroll. Get ready for the latest soap news, scoops, and recaps. Now, here's
1: Dan. Hey, soap fans. Welcome to another edition of Soap Central Live. I'm your host, Dan Kroll. Today, we're going to be doing what we do best, discussing the political ramifications of North Korea's failed rocket launch and whether or not it's going to further isolate the country. Okay, so maybe we're not. We're really going to be discussing anything and everything soap, just like we do every week at this time. It's not exactly an April Fool's show. We didn't have one of those this year, but we do have a little Friday the 13th fun. So don't break any mirrors just in case, and we'll see what happens in the rest of the show. There is, though, a lot of anything soap to discuss this week, the renewal of General Hospital, the upheaval at Days of Our Lives, b hiring a soap vet for its first-of-its-kind storyline, we've got rapid aging going on with all the kids in Genoa City, so our guest will be here in just a moment or so to join us, but I also want to remind you guys that we welcome your calls, and in fact, we want to speak to you this week to find out what you have to say about the latest soap news. So if you're inclined to call in and be a part of the show, the number is 866-472-5788. Again, it is toll-free, 866-472-5788, and you can also tweet along with us at Soap Central Live. I'll be poking around on Twitter during the show to see what you guys are saying, and hopefully I'll even be able to read some of your tweets here on the air. My guest this week? is making his first appearance here on Soap Central Live, but he is definitely no stranger to the world of soap. Known for his fearless predictions, daytime, and the odds-making and scandalous blind items, Nelson Branco has gotten a reputation as the bad boy of soap journalism. But is he bad, or is he just misunderstood? We're going to try to find that out today, and also talk about his one-life-to-live tribute called Between Heaven and Hell. Nelson, welcome to Soap Central Live.
2: Hello, Dan. How's it going? What are you wearing?
1: I am wearing the same thing that I wear every week at this time.
2: So a smile.
1: (laughs) Pretty much. You know, just a smile. So, you know, I mentioned this is your first visit here, and there was a question on Twitter about why this is your first time. So should we give them the scoop? Should we tell everybody the real reason, or should we leave it up to their imagination?
2: Yes, we have, we had a really nasty sexual breakup. No, uh, well, you've asked me a few times to be on the show, and I believe it or not, maybe people won't believe this, but I I just don't believe in being overexposed, and I want people to read my columns, right? So I don't like you know I've been on podcasts before um, when I've had something to say, and uh, I just I don't believe in you know just talking my ear off over nothing and just you know uh, overexposing myself, so. You know, um, I've always respected you. You know, we've been in this genre since, you know, the end of the glory days, and I've always respected you, but I just didn't really believe in just, you know, doing a podcast for a podcast sake. So I'm here to promote my book and and catch up, and what a week of soap news we've had. So uh, I'm honored to, uh, to be on your show today. It's a class act.
1: Well, I'm glad to have you here, and thank you so much for those kind words. But you didn't mention the restraining order, so I guess we'll (laughs) we'll just leave that that out. Okay, so (laughs) we talk about the soap glory days and all of that other stuff, and you only maybe want to talk when you have something to say. So maybe folks don't really know your background in terms of how you got interested in soaps in the first place, how long have you been watching them. So let's get a little bit of a, a mini Nelson bio so we can sort of get everybody caught up with us.
2: Well, as a healthy straight male, I've, you know, always thought it was odd that I fell fell in love with soaps. No. Um, I was like, uh, you know, a a little disenfranchised kid, and um, I grew up sort of in a poor family and, uh, you know, in a prairie town in Canada and just didn't, you know, sort of disinterested in all the bourgeois, you know, culture around me, and, and I caught soaps, I guess, when I was like 12 or so, I think I'd watched Dallas earlier, but daytime soaps, like I think I was 12. I caught Days of Our Lives and it just like captured my imagination and I would run, sprint home, because it aired at 12 here in Canada. And I would sprint home and watch it. And I remember imagining like, because I'd have to leave before the hour to get back to school. Luckily I lived just a couple blocks before, uh, like um, from school. And I I remember going back to school. I'm like, what if I had a TV on my watch? I mean, talk about prophetic, <laughs> you know. And that is now possible. Um, but I I was so obsessed with the show, and uh, and I just sort of watched days. And then my mother kidnapped me, and I talk about this in my One Life to Live book, Between Heaven and Hell. You know, she she, she kidnapped I'd like to say she kidnapped me to Portugal for a whole summer, and I thought it was like death because you know the, what was what was I going to do without my TV? And so, luckily, I had bought a year's worth of digest at that point, and I just really just read it for day stuff, because basically, at that point, it was Days of Our Lives Digest. And I brought my entire year's worth of digest with me, and, and I was stuck on a farm, and I just read them cover to cover. I even memorized the photo credits and bylines and everything. I used to give them to my brother and sister. I'm like, test me. Test me on anything. And um Reading the synopsis, I fell in love with One Life to Live without ever watching it, just reading about it, which I, you know, I think is a great story. And and it's, it's, you know irony that you know I became a writer, but I fell in love with One Life to Live through the written word. And I was dying and itching to come back to Canada to watch One Life to Live. And luckily, when I got back to Canada, I turned on the TV and it was Tina coming back from the dead and interrupting Cord and Kate's wedding, and it was love at first sight. So. Um, and then, uh, because of that trip, I knew everything about all the soaps. And after that, I just immersed myself in any kind of literature. And back then, there was no internet, right? So I went to libraries. And you know, a few years later, I went to New York and I studied at the Paley Center, which used to be the Museum of Television and Radio Arts. So, um, like, I would just literally spend my three days there and watch old radio, so listen to old radio soaps and watch any kind of footage I could. And and, uh, I went to university and I applied for an internship. Well, actually, I didn't even apply for an internship. I, during one of my trips to New York City, I, I, uh, met Mimi Torsion at the Emmys. I was a fan. I was on the other side of the rope, so I know what that's like. And Mimi had remembered me from my letters. She had written about me in a few editorials and she's like, come intern with us one summer. So I scrapped and saved and, uh, spent a summer in, in, uh, New York with Mimi and, and she gave me my first byline, so and the rest is history. I learned from the best, I learned from the best.
1: Absolutely. Was there ever anywhere in there any consideration of doing something else, you know, like a, a lawyer, a, a doctor, anything else, or was it always pretty much straightforward for you?
2: No, it, I, I've always been like, I think my greatest talent is that I'm a, a bear witness and I can put things in context. I'm a horrible public speaker. You know, sometimes I'm on my magazines ask me to be on Entertainment Tonight and Canada and all these talk shows, and I just hate it. I just I get nervous and self-conscious. And you know, I'm not shy when I write, but when I'm I'm really super shy. People who know me, you know, uh, can attest to that. Uh, I just I just I feel safe in writing, and I like manipulating words to get you know a point across um, and convey an idea uh, or. I think what I do best is, you know, uh, create debate, um, and I love that. I think that's the best thing a journalist can do is create the debate, and I think I've done that, um, you know, poorly or really well sometimes. But um, so yeah, there's no question. And it's funny because my uh, I'm Portuguese, and my Portuguese family were like, "How can you make money reading?" Oh, sorry, writing. And and when I used to read books when I was five, they used to like. Almost hit me. They're like, "Why are you reading? You're going to go blind." So I was just like, "Oh my <laughs> You're god, i so going to Yeah, they used to kind of. They were they're so earnest people, and so my mother I think would be happier if I was a construction worker and I worked with my hands. So I was totally it always felt like I was adopted, i.e. the soap opera, you know, um, <laughs> connection. But so I kind of I got to kind of escape through the soap world, and um, it engaged me in a way, and I thought, like, wow, there's another life out there. So, um, you know, I think, I think the soap world does really, um, you know, speak to people who are disenfranchised um, in a way, and I think that's why women and gay men, some straight men, like, really connect with the genre, and uh, especially in the 80s. I mean, oh, my God, and, of course, the 70s, but... Um, Yeah. So that's pretty much it, I think, in a nutshell. I don't know. It's probably more intense than that. I have to talk to my psychologist.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We'll we'll work at this as maybe a little bit of a, a psychology class. You mentioned being a little maybe more nervous about public speaking. What about superstitions? This is, of course, Friday the 13th. Do you have any sort of crazy or maybe not so crazy superstitions?
2: Well, well, actually, it's National Kiss Day, and it's Friday the 13th, so you owe me a kiss, but be careful because (laughs) your show may be canceled. You know, it's funny because I thought, you know, um, we were expecting an announcement from ABC about General Hospital's future, and, of course, you know, everyone expected it to be renewed. Um, thank, Thank you, Katie Couric. I think she's really the driving force, and also the soap movement, bad PR, surrounding ABC. But I did think, like, if ABC was going to cancel... General Hospital, it would have been today because, as you know, PNG and CBS infamously canceled uh, Guiding Light on April Fool's Day. So this would have been a perfect day for them to have dropped that bombshell. But luckily it didn't, and I'm so happy the show survived.
1: Oh, I thought the same thing, too, because, you know, certainly we're uh, a year, just one day short of a year of the announcement that All My Children, One Life to Live were canceled, which we're going to talk about coming up Tomorrow. in a bit. Tomorrow, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, I wouldn't have surprised me. Plus, uh, with the the announcement last year, it was right before a holiday weekend, so there was that extra day, and, and then we have this year, This if they would have announced it on a Friday, you know, it would have given the weekend before right. anybody could have said anything. But, uh, you know, it, it's sort of interesting, too, that this announcement was a lot more sort of secretive and a lot more subdued than the... Uh, sunset of two iconic series and the revolutionary launch of two new programs to revitalize the daytime genre format. Uh, I mean, are you surprised at all that this was so low-key?
2: Well, I mean, I don't know if it was low-key. I mean, I think most of us in the industry expected it. I, I work, um, I'm the producer at Breakfast Television, which is Canada's number one morning show. It's a three-hour live show. And we unfortunately air the two and the revolution and general hospital not i'm not general hospital i'm not regretting general hospital but we were told at the network level that you know the revolution wasn't going to happen you know i can say anything because i'm employed by the network and you know abc has made it known to especially you know international affiliates that are syndicators because you know, we can't air Good Morning America and Canada as a replacement. So we have to find an entire different show to replace the revolution. So, I, I mean, and, and I think everyone knew that. Uh, and I think on another podcast uh, late last summer, I did, my sources, I have pretty close sources to Katie Couric. And I think early fall or late summer, I did announce on another podcast that Katie was very concerned. Cause that's when the soap movement was really intense, that she, mm-hmm. she you know, She's not the nicest woman in the world, but she's not stupid. And she knew immediately, I don't want these soap fans like, boycotting my show. And I think she really, you know, urged ABC to keep General Hospital. And I think she saw the benefits of keeping GA, especially as a lead-in. But, you know, I still don't trust ABC. I think this is like, you know, a victory in the battle, but we haven't won the war. So I think we need to you know, still fight on and stuff and, and show our passion and, and, um, and continue on. As bravely as we have, because um, I think we have made some noise, and I think also the public embarrassment, unfortunately, you know, is it, you know, the merits of all my children and women should have stood on their own, but I think that has made a difference. I think the mainstream press jumping on this as passionately as they have, I think just for online numbers, I mean, let's be real, because they're not doing their print editions, um, has really helped as well, because they're getting all these hits, because we're rabid, loyal fans. So, um, you know, I think it's a variety of factors. I don't think it's a surprise. Um, I don't know what a renewal means when ABC owns the show. I mean, this is the first time I've heard ABC say they've renewed a show. So, you know, I the show could go... You know, by the end of the year, I, I, I mean, it's not renewed. It's not like days of our lives, which is on until 2013, what, August or September. So it's not, you know, etched in stone. So I'm, you know, I'm cautiously optimistic.
1: Well, with that, and moving into talking about your One Life to Live book, how do you, I mean, I don't want you to speak for all. One Life to Live fans, and hopefully some folks will call in who are One Life to Live fans and maybe weigh in on this question. What do you think the overall sentiment is? Because it's sort of bittersweet where One yeah. Life to Live fans said the show shouldn't have been canceled and the revolution would not succeed. Well, the revolution didn't succeed, but it doesn't bring back One Life to Live.
2: Well, that was my first thought. I mean, that was, well, my first thought was I was happy for GH. Um, but, you know, it just, it's a Shakespearean, like, tragedy in, in many ways. It's like, you have Cartini at GH, and I know they love One well, Life to Live more than life, and you no know, pun intended, and it was just like, you know, once again, One Life to Live is a sacrificial lamb. It was the highest rated ABC soap opera, under budget, critically acclaimed, getting so much trending on Twitter, and it was sacrificed, and and who is saved is General Hospital. Now, having said that, I'm happy General Hospital was saved because, you know, Sweeney wanted all three gone, and, of course, uh, Franz saved his uh, favorite show because, according to my sources, when Franz couldn't get arrested, Jill theron Phelps and Bob Guza, you know, pitched Guza for the job as head of ABC Daytime, so he felt very loyal to that show. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it just it just sucks. It was such a great show, and, and, and this is the first time in history, maybe not in radio soaps because there were so many radio soaps being replaced three months mm-hmm. later, but this is the first time a show that's replaced another soap opera has been canceled within three months. So I just think, like, oh, my God, we could have had another, you know, good eight months of one life to live. Um, of course, then we wouldn't have had Cartini jump over to G-H and save it creatively. But I don't think Cartini really saved General Hospital. Um, they haven't had enough time. Their ratings really haven't skyrocketed, you know. So I think it was really the Revolution's poor performance um, and Katie Couric. So well, there's, but uh, now there's that, also you know, another Kartini way. have time. I think they may make a dent.
1: Well, there's also something else to look about. Say, for example, that only all my children had been taken off the air, and one life to live had been allowed to stay. We could have been in the really ugly situation in September of ABC deciding whether it was going to keep One Life to Live or General Hospital. And that really could have, you know, sort of pitted soap fans more against each other than they are now when they're discussing whether or not One Life to Live characters should have been brought into General Hospital. So it could have been maybe a lot uglier.
2: Well, I mean, it wouldn't have been. It wouldn't. I understand your point. It wouldn't have been uglier if Brian Franz had left the position because Brian Franz was the one that just decided to, to. You know, he played favorites. You know, um, if Brian Franz had left and that, that situation occurred, I think you know, ABC Disney would have just made the right decision because um, clearly, you know, Cartini wouldn't have been a GA. So I'm sure Willingfield would have continued its you know ascent up the ratings, etc. But, you know, um, you know, I, I, reported two years ago that Women Lesson like, was going to be canceled, and everyone denied it. Everyone, like, my source heard it from Brian Frowns' mouth, and if you remember my report, it actually said who they were going to bring to all my children to merge, you know, they were going to bring, uh, Cassie DePiva, Trevor St. John, just replace him with Roger Howarth, Kristen Alderson, Brandon Buddy, and, uh, Michael Easton. Well, who went over to G.H.? Those basically the same people. Very true. So, yeah, and, you know, and, I, and Frank found me denied, 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 and was hurt by it. But I'm like, well, we all know that they've been developing 20 daytime shows for the last two years. I mean, you know, I, I think this one I to live in All My Children cancellation, d- double murder, assassination on... April fourteenth. I think it did prove that like, you know, that the networks didn't have their backs. So I really sadly I think a lot of them really believed ABC did. And I think now everyone's eyes are open, so I'm really happy that I'm you know, I've been shouting and screaming like, you know, pay attention, pay attention. Don't listen to Brian Franz's micromanaging because he's trying to destroy you. And now I think Cartini is in a much more capable position to think for themselves. And without Brian Franz there Have you noticed they're doing all the PR for the show on Twitter? And I can tell those commercials are being cut by Frank.
1: Um, Yeah, you know, it it, it is one thing, all of a sudden, where you have uh, a lot more involvement between the creatives and even the on-screen talent at General Hospital and the Twitter universe and the Facebook universe that I think fans really crave in 2012. I mean, everything is social media nowadays.
2: I know. I mean, there are some Gerson's. you know bad points to it but i mean generally i think it's pretty decent
1: well it's no mistaking that you are a one life to live fan so let's talk about the book and first of all i'm sure one life to live fans know the answer to this but for folks maybe who are tuning in for some of the other topics and whatnot why between heaven and hell why did you select that as a title
2: well, that was the original uh, title of the show, and, and it was deemed too controversial by ABC, so shocker. So they made uh, Agnes change it. And they you know, it's, it's ironic on both levels, but I thought, you know, One Life to Live sort of still exists between heaven and hell. I mean, it still exists kind of on General Hospital. Um, the Prospect Park deal sort of, you know, gave us hope that it would still live on. So, you know... Uh, even after its cancellation, One Life to Live, even more so than All My Children, sort of loomed in, you know, limbo. So I thought it was kind of uh, apropos. And I also think, considering One Life to Live has always been deemed a, the ugly stepchild, that, um, you know, it was uh, just interesting uh play on words and to play on history. So... Yeah, that's why I named it that way, and I'm surprised no one else did. So, and I also knew that People Magazine would not devote an entire issue to One Life to Live, um, you know, as they did with all my children. So I thought, you know, what I'm going and, and thank God for ziff Digest. they they published a standalone issue as well uh, for One Life to Live. So kudos for them.
1: So, what is in Between Heaven and Hell? What are fans going to find when they pick up a copy of this ebook?
2: Well, it's over hundred and twenty thousand words. Um, sixty chapters. To put it in comparison, Carolyn Hinsey's great book, um, Afternoon Delight is only fifty thousand words. So you're getting your more bang for your buck. I um, I talk about my personal experience with the show, um, and it's sort of like set up like uh opera so uncensored. I I translate quotes, uh I said um, I started with just some of my personal attachment to the show. Then I go into the historical Um, A recap of the show and some analysis and um, just the social impact of the show that it had. And I reference stuff that, you know, was spoken about and talked about like billions of years ago. And then um, I lump all my interviews. I've done exclusive interviews for the book, but I do all, I print all my Paul Rush interviews, all my Andrea Evans interviews, which are a lot, all my Trevor St. John interviews um all my, you know, Cassie DePaiva interviews. So, uh, there's collections of, uh, interviews. And they're all in one place. And then I do my best storylines, best actors, the best, uh, scene stealers. um so it's, uh, most be- sexiest people on the life to live. So, it's sort of, you know, uh, it's sort of like the Suds Report, but just sort of grander and stuff. So I think it's a fun read, and it's a great heirloom. And, and the great thing about, like, especially with me re-editing and repurposing my interviews from, like, 20 years, I have, like, my first Judith Light interview in there as well, which oh, wow. I did. She was my first celebrity interview, actually, in 1996. Um, and I have that there. And it was interesting because when you read these old interviews, you really see... You know how the soap has evolved and, and where it was going, and, and what people's mindset was at the time. So it's really kind of interesting um, reading the reading the interviews from the past and then seeing them progress. You know, um, I have Nathan Fillion, and it's it's it's, it's, it's uh, I think it's it's a pretty good book.
1: Well, there's an other great thing out there. That oh, and maybe- I interviewed
2: Michael, Lo- Michael Malone and Josh Griffith, and so you get the insider stuff. Like, And Paul Roush said that there was a drug problem on the set when he took over, and he had to put several actors in rehab, and, you know, he addresses, you know, Ellen Holly, and it's it, there's just, like, a bunch of stuff there that's, you know... Unfortunately, when a soap is canceled, the truth really comes out. People, well, I think I've always printed the truth about shows, but when a show is canceled, I think people go on the record about the truth, so... There are some really great nuggets, and I have a lot of did-you-know facts and blind items and stuff in there. So anyway, sorry to cut you off.
1: No, that's fine, because what I was going to say, that is even better So What I was going to tell folks, too, is that another great thing about this is that you've made this available to SoapCentral.com readers and SoapCentral Live listeners at a very special price. There's a coupon code over at SoapCentral.com slash radio, so after we're done talking at the top of the hour, folks can go over there, get the coupon code, and pick up. Between heaven and hell at a very special price. So that's an even more added incentive to head on over and check out the blind items and, and the the hottest stars and all the great stuff. I, I think like you said, when you're talking going back twenty some years of interviews, it's a great historical reference.
2: Yeah, and I couldn't even print all because you know, I started twenty years ago and like I had to have more access to my online stuff or the stuff on my Mac computer that I've had for Forever, but I, you know, there was some print stuff that I couldn't even like retype and stuff. There was just too much. I mean, that 120,000 words. My editor was like, "Just stop." But um, (laughs) yeah, and and you know what? I'm even going to up the ante. Um, If you email soapuncensored uh, at yahoo.com and type in uh, Soap Central Live, I'll give you 60% off the price because I think. You know, with the news this week, I think One Life has been forgotten, and I, I kind of want people to uh, remember Landview and, you know, how Landview is helping General Hospital. And by the way, as you mentioned, I wanted to mention this earlier, you know, this is the first time One Life to Live has, quote, invaded Poor Charles. Gerald Anthony played Marco, went over to General Hospital, won an Emmy uh, for his betrayal. Um, Steve Hardy went to One Life to Live in the 60s you know, to help, you know, promote the show. So this is not new at all. Linda Dano, of course. So um, I think it was smart for One Life to Live to bring over, you know, um, a pissed-off fan base to a show that was about to be canceled. So I think it was smart. I think anyone would have done that. I mean, Dallas and Knox Landing did.
1: Well, let me ask you then for folks who are talking about that. There are sort of a lot of disenfranchised All My Children viewers who maybe feel slighted. They're wondering, hey, what about... Some of the Pine Valley residents can't one pop over in Port Charles. I've always suggested that David Hayward would be a great, uh, great way to sort of mesh that in and give all my children fans a bone, so to speak, have him be responsible for saving Robin. He has a history with Anna Devane. There'd be some, some great tie-ins and they could even address all my children's finale by having, you know, David run around saying, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it, which would leave the door open in the future. Maybe somebody from Pine Valley could pop in and they could discuss what happened. You know, he doesn't want to discuss that he saw Erica killed. He doesn't – whatever it is that, uh, you know, the All My Children fans are sort of left out there wondering what about them.
2: Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think if anyone's going to come from Pine Valley, it's going to be David Hayward. Um, you know, I think – Cartini just has, like, one initiative right now, and that's to save the show. I think because All My Children went out there in September, and so many of those actors have moved on because they had more time. Um, but, you know, we do have Finola Hughes, which who was on uh, All My Children, so there is sort of a pseudo-AMC character on the show. Of course, she started on G.H. first, but... Um, I wouldn't put – I know Cartini really well. I I called Ron Calavati a soap god in 2005, and I got, like, lamb-based for it. But, you know, I think we can pretty much put him up there with Gloria Monti. He saved General Hospital from cancellation or helped save the show from cancellation. And when One legal was canceled, he made it a ratings hit and uh, part of the zeitgeist. So, you know, I don't – if I know him, I think he's going to – I, I'm pretty certain he'll probably bring um, a name on the show. I, I can't imagine him not doing that. But, you know, right now they've been in a precarious situation. He's getting to know the show. We have to give him time. You know, he's laying the foundation. He's, you know, getting to know the ins and outs of a very complex, complicated production. I mean, if you know anything about General Hospital, that is not, you know, the war-torn soap opera set. <laughs> and... uh so I think they just need to get their bearings, and I think, you know, we'll be surprised, for sure. But I wouldn't be surprised with David Hayward, for sure. And, you know, who doesn't want Vincent Irizarry on their show?
1: Uh, absolutely. Well, it's we interesting Vanilla that Hughes, you...
2: So I think it's the best thing on daytime right now. I think she's stealing the entire genre. Uh,
1: I'm enjoying the return of the vets on GH, which sort of is a good segue into talking about how long do you give someone to work their magic on a show... Days of Our Lives made some changes to their writing team. Marlene McPherson and Daryl Ray Thomas Jr. are out after less than a year, and there's going to be a shakeup. They were responsible for the reboot that brought back a whole bunch of veterans to Days of Our Lives. And it seems that a lot of fans are now upset with the firing of some stars and say that they just need to work on the writing. So what's going on over at Days of Our Lives?
2: Well, I don't think anyone knows what's going over at Days of Our Lives. I mean, the only thing that is certain in life is death, taxes, and Ken Corday being reactive. And this is another—he's in panic mode again. The ratings—the ratings have slightly, minimally increased. So let's give them some—you know—credit. The head writers, Marlena, uh, Marlene. I mean, I guess the Salem wasn't big enough for two Marlenas, but you know, um, the the ratings slightly increased. I've always told friends or people in the industry that, you know, the reboot failed on one level, and the level was they started with three C-stories. They started from scratch, so they had three or maybe even four C-stories that progressed from the beginning, and as we know, the, the foundation of Any Soap is having an A, B, C, and a few D and E stories. So. Mm-hmm. The show was socially relevant. It was character-driven. They had new sets. They brought back old favorites, but it wasn't like wham-bam, thank you, ma'am. It was just a little bit boring. Even though it was on paper, it was really good, and on screen, it was, you know, kind of engaging. Uh, but it wasn't like I gotta watch. And so I think that was the Marlena and Marlene and Daryl's fault. I think they should have really progressed EJ, Sammy, Will stuff like they should have really progressed that on you know the fast track. So, well, but, you know, the ratings haven't gone through the roof, and, you know, this is what Ken Corday does. I mean, you know, I, I like Gary. I think, you know, he's a. I prefer him as an executive producer, not a head writer. I like Chris Whitesell. I'm just shocked that they didn't give Lorraine Broderick the head writing job because she's amazing. And Chris Whitesell, the breakdown job, and Gary Tomlin should basically replace Greg Ming Ming because I hear he's not really making a lot of fans on the set. So, you know, I'm sure they'll replace the head writing staff another six months. I mean, they have another year. Um, you know, my sources have said that Ken Corday has paid NBC millions out of his own pocket to keep the show on air. Like, oh. I've heard this from multiple sources. Literally had to pay NBC. When he says he has to beg NBC and his books and all this stuff to keep Dave, he has actually incurred the losses from that show. And I just think he needs to step away from the show. Just step away from the show. I mean, I can't imagine destroying my own parents' legacy. I just can't. So, you know, I think that he should have given them a lot more time. Um, I think the show was getting to a great crescendo. And now, and what does it matter when you tape three months in advance
1: very much. We're so. not going
2: to see the changes till August. I was being nice on Twitter. I thought it was July or June. No, they came out and said you'll see the changes in July. And Greg Ming's TV Guide interview was just full of BS. Full of BS. So, luckily, I'm, 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 you know, cautiously optimistic about Lorraine Broderick because she, especially with the gay storyline with Will, because she wrote the greatest coming out story, Bianca on All My Children. So, I'm pretty secure that that. Stories, going, which is the best story in daytime, and, and Dave's first character-driven storyline in, like, 30 years. So, um, but I know that more firings are coming. I, I said that there's another bloodbath is coming in last week's soap opera uncensored, and I didn't expect it that soon. Um, and I'm okay with Patrick Muldoon and Christy Clark. I'm shocked about Sarah Brown because she finally played, they finally had a smart, sexy, adult female character you know, who wasn't a slut and wasn't stupid and, you know, wasn't plot-driven. And uh, I'm sad about Sarah Brown. I mean, like, God damn it, she can't catch a break. So, I mean, sorry, I'm going on a tangent. but So no, that's okay. I have mixed feelings about it. But I'm not, you know, this is a Meg McTavish taking over days. Either.
1: Well, l- let's see. There are some folks who want to share their thoughts on what's going on at Days of Our Lives. Our first call is from Indiana. We have Melissa. Melissa, welcome to Subcentral Live.
3: Hi, how are you?
1: I'm good, how are you?
3: Oh, hey, I'm up? doing all right. So I Hello. understand you um, want to talk
1: about days and all the things that are going on there. What's What's on your mind? Um,
3: well, it's more of a comment than a question, and I'm actually going to agree with a lot of what I just heard from, from uh, Nelson, that I think a lot of the problem is Ken Corday gets way too reactive when when anything just seems to be slightly negative, he just starts on these tangents of firing people and that's not what we want to see as a viewer. You know, we wanna see good stories and, you know, don't my biggest problem though is that, you know, they brought um Matthew Asher back and I'm a big Matthew Asher fan. Yeah. And, you know, this is like the fourth time they've they brought him back oh. and then done nothing with him and that's fired funny. him. So I mean, you know, how can you expect people to like a character to return when you know that if the writing's not there, they're just going to fire him and blame the the actor for the the, the ratings. You know, I think the yeah, writing and he wasn't from You
2: can't blame Matt Ashford for the ratings, and he was pre-nominated for an Emmy. He had a great reel. I think I'm pretty much sure he'll make the final five. And it's just like the guy's a great actor. I mean, he's the least of your problems. But you know, he just obviously, I know Gary Tomlin does doesn't think he's fired uh, gary's fired him before so gary just doesn't think you know See, matt's appeal but i agree with you matt's like an unforgivable firing i mean he's you know you're Kim reiner
1: i want to thank melissa for that call I, I see that we're running low on the time factor here so i want to try to take as, uh, a couple more calls yes. that are waiting for us we have kim from florida also with some thoughts about what can be done at days kim welcome to soap central live
0: hi um well Some of the things I thought would be they did a great job bringing back vets like Brian Dottillo. Very excited to see him. Very excited to see his scenes today. The writing was awesome. I wish they could do more of that kind of writing. Um, Letting go of people like Matt Ashford, not making me happy. (laughs) Um, I enjoy Matt Ashford. I was just starting to get into the Jack storyline. I was hoping he'd reunite with Jennifer. It didn't happen. They keep dropping storylines in the middle and not making the writing hard to follow. So um, keeping the vets would be a good thing because it's, I guess it's starting to bother the fans that they keep letting the vets go, bringing them back, letting them go, bringing them back. It's like there's no stability. We don't know who to root for.
1: Yeah. Is that your biggest drawback that you aren't sure whether or not you want to get invested because the person may or may not be there in six months?
0: Yes, but I held on for a long time for Brian Detillo to come back, and I was really happy to see that he did come back. And I'm I was concerned with Gary Tomlin coming back about Brian, but I'm trying to stay positive and hopefully with writing like today's show. Um, but we don't know if it's going to be the same in four or five months, six months. Well, I mean, we don't know what. Department. I
1: mean, go ahead. No, I was gonna say thank you so much for calling in, Kim. I see that we have got a couple other folks and I want to make sure that I get to everybody. So thank you for sharing your thoughts. Thank you. We have a, another caller. This is from Utah. This might be our first Utahese or Utah, or I'm not sure what you a uh, Ute from caller. We have Angie. Angie was well, called alive.
4: crazy people who live among the crazies, But um, I am a crazy. <laughs> but I love I love Matthew Ashford. I love Dave and I've followed Jack and Jennifer since I was 12, and I just feel like we keep getting kicked in the teeth every single time. You know, it's like they bring him back, we hear there's going to be a bloodbath, we know it's going to be Matthew Ashford. And I'm thinking, when you have about, I think they had two human stories to tell on days right now, one with Will's and one with Jack's, and they just tanked Jack, And it's still all there, and I want to see it. And so that's, that's pretty much my, my thoughts on the matter.
2: Do you, uh, yeah, it's hard to invest when you, you know, it's hard to invest in a return when you know (laughs) six months down the road they're going to be fired, you know.
4: Right. Well, and they, and they missed every important beat in Jack's story. It was like, oh, here we are at the pub. Jack and Jennifer are discussing how he bailed her out. Why aren't we sitting in jail with Jennifer? Jack walks in. She's relieved to see him. Those are the beats that you don't miss. And, and then they just threw them back together with no, Worked. They had the perfect opportunity to finally get into Jennifer's issues with the whole anytime Jack's gone, he's got to find a new man, ASAP. He could have been hurt by that. They could have gotten into that. I think it's all still there, and I would like to see it, and I wish they'd keep him.
2: So, anyway. And Matthew's never been better. I mean, he looks better than ever, and, he's, uh, and I'm a huge Jack and Jennifer fan, but for the mm-hmm. first time, I really saw Matthew as like a leading man, and he had his own story. I found him more fascinating when he was dealing with Marlena and his war issues, and I thought, like, that was, like, some really, you know, engaging, compelling stuff. So it, it, to me, it's not even a Jack and Jennifer thing. It's just like, you know, I want to see this man's journey. I don't think we've even scratched the surface on that. So it's disappointing, I think. But we can't blame the head writers, this was a producer decision. And Marlene and Daryl were definitely committed to telling, um, you know, an ensemble story. And, and now... I'm a little worried. You know, it's like Ken Corday fired Crystal Chappelle, B. Orland, Matthew Ashford, the people drawing ratings to the show. The last time the ratings went up on days was when Crystal Chappelle came back. And, I mean, all you have to do is look at the Twitter followers. So, I mean, it's, a, it's just disappointing, but it's the same old story. I'm, I'm a little worried about Deidre Hall and Drake Hogiston. Um I think the story that's coming up next week is going to maybe secure Drake, and these are on the show, but I just don't trust them, you know. Um, Ken Corday only reacts when the renewals come up, and the renewal is coming up. So.
1: I want to thank you, Angie, for your call and for talking about days. We, I want to make sure there's some folks who have been uh, tweeting questions about other soaps, so with the about 15 minutes or so that we have, I want to try to get on to some of those. And there are a lot of people, Nelson, who want to know if Billy Miller might be leaving The Young and the Restless, it seems to be around that time where he may or may not leave. What are you hearing?
2: Well, um, yeah, I kind of broke this and so uncensored last week. It's on the cover of Digest this week, and uh, the story is he. Okay, you know, we all know he resigned last year for another year. He was about to leave. I heard it was about money. I heard he didn't get the money he wanted settled, or maybe he got a small increase. Uh, don't quote me on that. But regardless, he wasn't really happy, and so he, he left for pilot season, came back. He just booked a TV movie with Harvey Keitel. He's going to Australia. He asked for uh, a month off, and so he's leaving the show again for another month, um, maybe like six weeks or so. I think this is going to bode well for YNR, um and I'm just going to leave it at that.
1: Okay. Uh, well, there- no, I mean, there are some other weird things that are going on on The Young and the Restless that are involved casting, and we're aging. A lot. Weird things. I wish I could aging. say what I knew, but. <laughs> they're aging <sighs> two characters that were maybe six or so uh, last we spoke, and now they're going to be in their teens, Little Finn and Little Summer. Uh, you know, what do you think about all of the aging of characters that's been going on on Y&R? It seems like there's a lot of it.
2: Yeah, I broke that on Twitter today. I get all the casting stuff, uh, forwarded to me by a very re- reliable casting agent. Um, I'm, I'm not crazy, I'm not like pissed off about it for sure. I think, you know, at least are investing in legacy characters. Um, unfortunately, you know, the Sorath thing is not consistent across the board, you know, the whole Abby and, and Kyle thing last year. Um, I'm not, I think it's, it's a, a right step in the right direction considering Weinart's, you know history with this uh... recent history so i think it's good i mean i think um... if it gives tracy and christian more more story and and of course michelle uh, michelle and joshua i can't Of course, michelle she's already a grandmother on the show <laughs> Um you know i can't wait to see summer with that peanut butter incident she had i still think she's slightly off kilter so it'll be interesting to see this reimagining. Um, I think it's a great – I think it's good. I think it's good. I mean, as long as there's no more newbies. But um, stay tuned to Sub-Opera Uncensored, because I'm just waiting for the, someone to pull the trigger for more news on the show. It is an extremely precarious situation. I do want to tell people that, you know, uh, targeting Maria Arena Bell is really the wrong thing. She's been really absent. She's let Scott Hamner and Hogan Sheffer – um, run amok, and they like to play cops and robbers, and she just, I, 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 lobby for her to stay on YNR as an executive producer, but she needs to hire, I really wish Ron Carlovati had gone to YNR, or they rehire Sally Sussman and Marina, but they can't do that, because she left Bill Bell for generations, and the Bell family's pissed off, and that's all gonna, I'm writing a YNR book, so that'll come up my YNR book, but there's so much drama in the show, and you know, I think Maria does love the show. She's, uh, And I think, you know, when she first came on, the show was on fire, and that's because she was really involved. But she's been, you know, this absent socialite, and she is back on the show. She has heard all the complaints, and I think that's why the show's gotten better. But there is some major stuff happening. I wouldn't be surprised to see more firings um, soon. And that's all I can say.
1: Okay. Well, it's not quite firings, but there are some other big changes that have happened to something else in the daytime world, and that's the daytime Emmys. They Uh, changed the nomination process, which is something that you first reported. Uh, Do you think that the changes that they made to the process worked? And I'm holding up my little air quote fingers. Do you think it worked?
2: I think it worked. And, you know, I know other journalists have weighed in and said, like, you know, why didn't James Scott get nominated? Well, you didn't see his over-the-top reel. And it was really over-the-top, and I knew James Scott wouldn't get... See, I've seen the reels. I saw the pre, pre-nom reels. And I knew he wouldn't be nominated. Of course, he's a great actor. But, you know, some of these actors have to be, you know, blamed, because sometimes they submit the stupidest things. Um, you know, so I think it has worked because... You know, Michael Muni really fought for Emmy reform, and, you know, the links were anonymous. So You had to click on the link, see two minutes of someone's real to even know who you were voting for, and you had to vote the top ten. And, you know, of course, I knew Florencia Lozano wouldn't be nominated because she also submitted something so over the top. In context, it worked, but for someone seeing it for the first time – Mm -hmm. You know, she submitted the scene where she went out, uh, it was Victor's funeral, and she freaked out in front of Roger Howarth, and her hair was slinging, and she was being all Latina, and it was just a little too much without knowing who the character is. So these actors I've canceled. I chose a few Emmy reels for certain people. Luckily, they all got in except for Kath and Kelly Lang. But, you know, yes, no award show system is perfect. The Oscars, primetime Emmys, of course. But, you know, I think it worked. And I'm I'm pretty happy with the prenoms. Um, I'm happy they're going. They're not being aired on a network. I think it's going to be a dignified affair this year. I hope it streams online. I think we're going to see clips. We're going to have some humor, and I think it's you know, I think it's going to be a good thing. And I think hopefully we'll all see it. I mean, of course, like Michelle Stafford told me in a recent interview, the only thing about the Emmy's airing on a network is that your family can see the show and right. participate. But at the end of the day, I don't want to see, you know, an avatorial for Las Vegas. So I'm, I'm really happy that they're going to this Golden Globes set up, and hopefully it'll air online and we can have a dignified affair.
1: Well, we are down to our final about five-minute warning or so. Since you're known for fearless predictions, would you like to make any predictions in, say, the four... Main character uh, categories: lead actor, lead actress, supporting actor, supporting actress. Anything that you're yes. hearing?
2: Yeah, lead actress will be Heather Tom. I know, shocker. She will be the first actress, or sorry, actor, to win younger, supporting, and lead. She will win. Wow. lead actor. Okay. I've heard from voters; she's going to win. I saw her reel. She didn't change it from the because see, I've seen the pre-prenom uh, reels, two minutes, and most kept the same reel. Some changed. And I'm gonna get a final list for Soap Uncensored soon. Um, and then I can really analyze it. But she kept the same reel and she has the greatest reel ever. So she, it was when she found Bill cheated on her with, uh, Steffi. And it's
1: really awesome. Um,
2: so she's gonna win lead actor, uh, Tony Geary.
1: Okay, for the intervention.
2: Maybe Michael Muni is a spoiler. Tony Geary submitted like a 30 second scene with just one tear coming down his eye. It's so ballsy that he submitted that when he found, you know, when Lucky basically uh, reamed him a new asshole uh, for killing Jake. And so, yeah, Tony Geary had a charm. Supporting is sort of um, a Jonathan Jackson, of course. That's a Mm -hmm. lock. Supporting actress is always tough to call. Um, Younger lead actress, for sure, Crystal Khalil. She had the best reel. No one's even close. Um, younger actor, um, I can't think off the top of my head. There, it, that's pretty much an open race. But, you know, I'm sure Drew Tyler Bell will win this year again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, you know, well, I'm looking at the time and there's a whole bunch of other things. Why is the supporting actress field always the hardest one to gauge?
2: Well, because lead actresses put themselves in, uh you know, oh, sorry, you know what, I think Rebecca Herbst will have this, sorry, I just had a mind fart. Rebecca Herbst will have this, she, you know, submitted a scene where, she, you know, Jake died and stuff. So I think Rebecca Herbst will have it. Um, but supporting actresses is so tough, as you know, you've been covering the Emmy since, you know, I remember seeing you in 1994 in the press room when we used to, like, have uh, Emmy pools and bet money on the winners. Um, cookies it's just lead actors who put themselves in supporting, and it's the most crowded, like the pre noms without a doubt, there was like about 30 people in lead actors. There's only like maybe 18 in lead actor, and lead actress, but I think even less than lead actress, like 14. So they, they, they hedge their bets and they think that they can, you know, compete in supporting and they'll have a better shot at winning, but that's not true, um, you know. Right. in 2 minutes you really can't see who's to, who's the lead actress or supporting actress but that's why it's tough
1: so in our final minute you are known for blind items is there anything that you ever posted or written about that you wish you hadn't
2: no because um, certain uh, the people i write about sometimes ask me to write that <laughs> for various reasons contract negotiations and and uh, so it, I, I'm not going to get into it. Maybe when I die, before I die, I'll write a book about it. But, you know, Mimi Torsion understands this. It's like, you know, sometimes, you know, uh, and the industry loves it. I mean, I have to say, like, even like right when I started Soap Opera Uncensored, uh, at Smashwords.com, uh, all my subscribers right away were the industry, producers, writers. They love them because they love to guess what's happening on other people's shows and stuff. But, no, I haven't regretted any blind items. But I'll give you one right now. Okay. A previous controversial despised couple, which fans thought were over, will be coming back very soon and grosser than ever.
1: Oh, Lord. Oh, that's too much. And, of course... Uh, well, you know, I'm looking, we have maybe about three minutes, I'm sure, the Twitter universe is going crazy, Uh but someone else said something, it sounds like we've got two other shows for you to come back to discuss <laughs> your Young and the Restless book, and well, I don't know, I mean, if you die... And you I'm doing a benefit of two,
2: and yeah, I'm going to, my, well, my one book's really successful, so uncensored, like, really beyond my expectations, I had to hire, like, assistants and help with it, so... I'm really happy about it and, and it's been really good and I thank all my readers. Um, you know, I have about ten thousand words in every issue, which I think is more than the magazines combined. I think it's pretty cheap and you get like you know, I've broken stuff like that you will not hear in magazines for two weeks. And I love writing for an exclusive readership that really wants to read me and you know, I think you pay you get what you pay for and I, I kinda like that, you know, not everyone can access it, and I think I like writing for people who want to read me instead of like just you know bashing me or criticizing me. I like writing for an exclusive readership. So,
1: well, it, I'm I'm reading emails and I'm reading tweets, and and people are are offering guesses and whatnot on the blind item, folks out there. You're going to have to keep guessing because we are unfortunately out of time for today's show. So that blind item will remain well blind, I guess. Nelson, I want to thank you for. Dropping by, finally making your first appearance here on the show.
2: Yeah, that was some long ass foreplay between us.
1: <laughs> it was, well, let's see, I've been doing this for 17 years, and this is the first interview with you, so that's a long time. And I don't want anyone out there to have to wait too much longer to get their hands on. Between Heaven and Hell, so they can go over to SoapCentral.com slash radio right after the show is done, or follow us on Twitter at soap Central Live, or follow you at Nellie Branco, wherever it is. Uh, is that what, It's one word, right? Nellie Branco? Yeah. Uh, they can follow you and get the information. Or SoapCentral, uh, soap uncensored, too. And there you go. And, of course, the email address for folks who want to get the even extra special discount.
2: Yeah, was... soapuncensored at yahoo.com. Just write soap, uh, Central live or Dan Kroll, um, you know, whatever you want and, uh, you'll get, uh, what did I say, 60%? 60%. You
1: did. You, awesome. did. you know, it's, this is this is fast and loose here for just before income tax filing. So, folks, if you exactly. don't think you'll have money once you file your taxes, we're giving you a special deal. And, of course, while you are poking around on the Internet, head over to SoapCentral.com slash radio. You can check out some past episodes of Soap Central Live. There are more than 120 episodes now, so wow. there are a lot of great interviews for you guys to congrats. check out.
2: Congrats. You are a pioneer in this, so congrats.
1: Thank you. It's, uh, it's been a long time and it seems really just like yesterday. There's also, believe it or not, there's an app out there that you guys can use for your iPhone, iPad, or Android device. It's fast, free, and easy, just like Nelson. <laughs> 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 and, and I'll be back again next week for another edition of Soap Central Live.
2: Ciao.